0: Today, I would like to talk about the significance of last words. And in in the case of Jesus, not only last words, but also first words and also middle words. Now, to begin with, last words are many times very important. We would all agree, I think, last words... Go before great crusades. They they stir the people's heart for uh, a a righteous mission uh, right before a great crusade. And um, last words also go before the passing of a loved one. They carry words of many times of encouragement or instructions. A good father may say to his son, for example, Son, you know how much I love you. Remember all that I've taught you. Um, Love your mother. Don't ever abandon her. Love your brothers and your sisters. Work hard. Don't be lazy. Um, I've taught you these things your whole life. Love your neighbors yourself. Um, Stand up for those that are hurting, for for those who cannot defend themselves and um, you know, stay humble, right? Thank God for his mercy. Things like this. Love God. Follow him all your days. A father may say things like this when he's on his deathbed to his children. Now, the, the last words of Jesus to his disciples did all these things that we've talked about here. Uh, Many of the Gospels, they they include Jesus' last words as they're connected to um, encouragement, uh, his love that he has for his disciples, the mission of sharing how Jesus is good news for the broken people, uh, all broken people of the world. Jesus is the only good news available to them. And today I want us to look at Jesus' last words mainly to Peter. And uh, we'll, we'll take a few excerpts from the roller coaster, timeline of Peter's faith between Jesus' first words and and even to his middle words and then and Jesus' last words to Peter. I think we'll identify with Peter and, and see how God continually works Um in our own life to bring us back to mission over and over and over the same thing he called us to in the beginning and uh, that he might, um, you know, draw us and quicken us and make us alive to persevere in mission all the way to the end of our life. So um, we'll begin in Matthew 4, 18 um, we don't know for sure if these were the first words Jesus spoke to Peter, but it's possible that uh, uh, they, they may have met before, but this seems very likely to be the very first words Jesus ever spoke to Peter. Um, and, um, in John chapter 142, we, we see uh, another time, but uh, from after that point, they do go... Um, uh, Jesus' disciples, I think they may, if I remember right, they accompanied to him, him to a wedding. And so uh, the, the disciples apparently had already been called. But nevertheless, let's start with Matthew 4.18, uh, possibly the first words Jesus spoke to Peter. And here's what it says. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers... Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So uh, Jesus spoke to, to Peter and to Andrew, and he said, Follow me. And in some contexts, those were, I think, the first words Jesus spoke um, to us as well, right? We don't hear Peter, again, engaging in, in uh, conversation with Jesus in the book of Matthew until 10 chapters later. And um, it is when the disciples were in a boat and a storm came up. So let's fast forward to there. And this is kind of, like I said, a roller coaster life of faith in the life of Peter. And we can probably all identify with it to some extent. Matthew 14, then, 28. And Peter answered him, uh, this was after the storm came up, remember? Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And the next verse, um, so that's kind of a high point, right? If we were graphing out these, these uh, experiences in the, in the life of Peter in relationship to the words of Jesus, we would say this would go a spike up on the graph. Uh, just as it would be when, when Peter followed Jesus and he responded to Jesus at, telling him the following, that would be a spike up. In his faith, graft of his life, and here it is again. But then we look at one, one verse later, Matthew 14:30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, "Lord, save me!" He, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, "Oh, you have little faith! Why did you doubt?" So, uh, on the roller coaster ride of the graph of the, of the faith of the life, in the life of Peter, we see that, that spike going up and then going up and then going down and then calling out to Jesus after he doubted and sank even. And that, I think, we might say is a spike up again because it's good to call out to Jesus, to know who to reach out to, and to, 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 uh, to call out in faith, Lord, save me. And Jesus did so. He does that in our life, doesn't he? Over and over. Okay, let's go again. Let's go forward two chapters later. Matthew 16, 15 through 18. And Jesus again is speaking. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How, do you, how might you have felt if Jesus spoke those words Even to you and me, you know, uh, this might have, uh, gave us great encouragement to say, Hey, yes, I'm on the right track. You know, I'm trusting the Lord. God has revealed this, this great truth about the Messiah to me. I'm truly blessed by God and God, uh, Jesus has told me that he's going to, uh, he's going to build, uh, on me, in a sense, on this rock. I'm Peter, and on this rock, he he said he built his church. Uh, What did that mean? I'm going to have to think about this. This seems like a compliment, right? And so, uh, in the life of Peter, I I think the roller coaster goes up again, uh, very high. But then, if we look six verses later, uh, we find another slide began to emerge in Peter's life. Uh, Chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned And said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men or man. So now, just these few verses later, what might have been going through your mind if Jesus said that to you? You know, oh wow, I mean, you can probably all, if you're like me, you can identify with. I mean, mercy, I stuck my foot in my mouth. All of a sudden, I thought I was doing so good. Maybe I had pride uh, at some point before. Uh, And and I let uh, Jesus' compliment go to my head and and really think it was about me somehow. But it wasn't about me. And now I think I I know what's best for Jesus. And uh, Jesus actually said, to me, get behind me, Satan! You know you're a hindrance to me. You know, uh, I, you know my my roller coaster is going downhill at this point, like a hundred miles an hour, and I feel like it's at a, There's a dead end down there, but it's not going to be that way, okay? So uh, you know, that's the way life is, isn't it? We're all broken people, and none of us are perfect. We we haven't been sanctified 100% yet. We're a work in progress, every single one of us. Uh, but we're God's work in progress. And he is going to bring it and bring us into completion. So don't be surprised. Um. Uh, that as long as you draw breath and as long as your heart beats, that there's going to be these times in your life that, that Jesus is teaching us things and growing us um, to see him as beautiful and the greatest treasure of all. Uh, we, he has to show us that we need to get out of the way. And he does that in the ways that he sees us best. Let's fast forward to the evening before Jesus was to be taken away, um, to be interrogated and spit on and whipped and, and then crucified. So these are some of the last words, um, the time period. If you go in the book of John, you'll see that there's, there's a number of chapters that are dedicated to the day before Jesus was taken to be crucified. So, last words. It was was a time for last words. John, uh, I can't remember where it starts, but like, uh, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there, maybe to part of 18, last words. Um, And so Jesus had been giving his disciples final instructions. Instructions, um similar to the way a good father might give his children before he passed away, stay on mission, my children. Everything I've ever taught you, right? And Jesus has given his disciples instructions for the mission after he's gone. And he said to abide in him. And um, and it, uh, he told them about his love for them and how they were to love one another and how they were to to love his word and let it abide in their heart and to to walk in his word and how they were to bear much fruit and he wanted them to have his joy in their life and they were having the last supper and it was just before Jesus instigated the lord's supper i believe and then Jesus said something frightful. And we're in Matthew 26 now. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? So uh, put yourself in that place. And, um, And remember, Peter is there as well. And it seemed like Peter and all the disciples appeared very humble at this point, which is a good sign. Um, You know, they didn't second guess what Jesus said. Someone will betray Jesus. And they said, is it I? That sounds very spiritual and very humble. For a person to say, Um, not know, because our hearts are deceitful, right? So, and, and let's move to the account that Luke tells us about in the same, on the same night, around, right at the same time, Luke 22, 23. We're getting more insights into what was going on among the disciples, and that included Peter. And they be, so they just said, Is it I? That seems like a roller coaster ride. Uh, it seems to be going uphill on the graft, right? Um, which is good. It seems good. And But Luke 22 23, and they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. So not only did they ask, Is it I? but they also seemed to ask, what uh, is it matthew could it be matthew remember he was a tax collector you know he might have slipped back into his old maybe it's john or james right because remember their mom wanted them to sit on the right hand and the left hand side of jesus and his kingdom they were seemed to be out for glory at one point who could who else could it be i mean if it's not them You know, and they began maybe to think through, you know, uh, the Bible says, which of them it could be who was going to do this. They began to question one another. So that seems to be the roller coaster, uh, uh, the graph of their spirituality, and this would include Peter, um, was heading down on the slope. The graph was going downhill, um. There seems to be some kind of a progression at work Um, from is it I to is it you Uh, and then to it's not me, you know, Um, because Luke 22, 24, the very next verse says a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So, from is it I, to which one of us could it be, to, hey, who is the greatest, you know? Which one of them was to be regarded as greatest? So, it was like, who is the worst? Is it I, or is it it you? But now they're saying, who is the greatest? So, it's funny how, how, I mean, it's scary, it's sad, how things can take the turn and the deceitful heart that we carry. Um, And so the roller coaster seems to be going straight down, dropping off. Um, And so what did Jesus say to them? How did he answer them when their eyes began to be on who would be elevated? And um, did he say it was wrong for them to want to be great? No. No. Only it was wrong, I think, for them to be great in the same way that the world uh, wanted to be great. But in the next verse, Jesus actually tells them how to be great. And here's what it says. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise authority or lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Remember, excuse me, rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. So Jesus says, hey, you want to be great, serve one another, become a servant. I I think it was right around this time. Uh, I'd have to check if it was right before or right after. I think it's right after maybe. But Jesus actually gave an example, and he began to to serve as a servant. He wrapped a towel around himself and washed the disciples' feet. And this is an example for them on how to be great. So, six verses later, Jesus gives Peter himself an insight into the future. Um, two insights. One is a red flag, and the other is a promise. Luke 22:31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. All right. So, um, so yeah, the, the graph, uh, the roller coaster of, of Peter's faith. Jesus says, hey, you know, Satan wants you. He wants to sift you like wheat. Um, but I've prayed for you. You know, it he seems like some rough days are ahead for Peter, right? Um, and he did, uh, hidden in this, uh, we see this little promise here. When you have turned, strengthen your brothers, and he's going to bring that up and say, uh, say these words, uh, strengthen your brothers, I think, in another way a little later. After Peter has turned, he'll have another conversation with him. Um, in John 13, let's move to John and get some more insights here. Jesus tells his disciples uh, more of the important last words. And uh, there's a lot of them. Here he's, he says speaks about love. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you also are you to, uh, you also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so, you know, hey, I mean, they had been accusing one another basically of um, betraying Jesus, right? And saying that they were great, you know. And Jesus told them how to be great. And Jesus says, you know, here is what I want you to do. Love one another. That's how the world will know that you're my disciples. All right. So that's uh, some of the last words of Jesus. Um, Let's see. Three verses later, Jesus was, he was going away, right? Right and um, he said that he said he was going away and Peter said to him it says John 13 37 Lord why can I not follow you now I will lay down my life for you next verse that sounds like a high doesn't it in the graph of Peter's spirituality but it may be prideful we'll see next verse Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Um, more insights from Matthew twenty six thirty three, And so that uh, there we see the graph. All of a sudden, Jesus is saying, you, you know, don't get your hopes up, buddy. You know, you're, you're going to um, deny me, actually three times. Matthew 26, 33, Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. So here Peter seems to elevate himself, which is actually a downhill on the graph, but um, he seems to be saying that his love for Jesus, his faith in Jesus, is greater than all of the disciples. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. It seems to be pride saying that he was better than the rest of them. All right. So, um, two verses later, Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. They would all rather deny die than deny. And so I said, they seem quite spiritual there, but the truth we'll find out. Um, when they came for Jesus to take him away, he did not resist, but Peter sliced off the ear of, of the servant of the high priest and um, all the disciples, in, including Peter, they fled. They they left. They they scattered. They disappeared. They ran. Matthew twenty six fifty six. Then all the disciples left him and fled. And um, kind of to make a long story short. After after this, Peter denied Jesus three times. Matthew twenty six seventy five. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me me three times and he went out and wept bitterly. All right. Well, so Peter's life uh, has had some dramatic changes. I mean, like Jesus told him, you know, Satan wanted to sift him as wheat, but he had prayed for him. And uh, all the disciples must uh, uh, I mean, Jesus was their rabbi. Not only was he the Messiah that they trusted in, they thought he was going to set up a rule, uh, and to, to free them from Rome's grasp. Uh, and, uh, not, but not only that, they were, he was their rabbi. And so they, they had hung on every word. they had memorized things that he'd said likely. And, uh, And they must have felt like they themselves were a complete failure at this point. They had all left Jesus. And especially Peter, he denied him three times. And depression sometimes follows failing God, doesn't it? It has in my life, I know. So I think I can identify with Peter here. What Next in our timeline, Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. He pays the wages of our sin. Then he rises from the grave three days later. um, And he um, appears to the disciples behind closed doors, right? Behind locked door. But Thomas is not there. There's no indication that Peter spoke to Jesus at this time, uh, though he probably was totally depressed, questioning his faith. Um, You know, we don't know. Uh, I can only say how I would have felt, I think. Later, Peter wanted to go fishing, and some of the disciples went with him. They fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus speaks to them from shore. Um, has them cast their nets on the other side, and they begin to to catch fish like crazy. And they recognize this Jesus. Peter jumps in the water and swims to shore. And Jesus has breakfast cooked for them, right? So, uh, even though you know we don't know the all the the conversation, Peter arrives. Uh, At the shore and speaks to Jesus. Likely, Um, we don't know what they say. Jesus might have said, "It's okay, Peter. You know, um, we'll talk in a moment after we eat. I want to talk to you personally. Uh, Maybe because, uh, and I'm. uh, It it seems like that's a good possibility. Something like that happened. Um, Because let me pick up in John twenty-one fifteen we find that after they ate, um, it picks up again. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. All right. So remember, Peter had said he... Basically, it said that if that he loved Jesus more than the other disciples, even if they denied him, he would not deny them. So uh, that may be what he's he's relating to here. Um, and Jesus said, "Feed my lambs, feed my children. strengthen the brothers," is what he had told him, I think, before um, uh, after he returns to strengthen the brothers. Here he says, feed my lambs. And I think he's talking about the brothers too. When he says, yeah, uh, do you love me more than these? I th- I, you know, uh, Peter has to come to his uh, senses and say, Lord, apparently not. I don't love you more than me. I love you though. You know I do. But Jesus asked him, do you love me with agape love? That's a godly love. And um, Peter probably, I would say, may have had doubts, as if he really did love him with Gopi love, because he had said he had thought he had before. He would thought he would give everything, even his own life, but he didn't, and he was mistaken. And he answered him, "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." But he answers him. Using the Greek word phileo love. Uh, I love you as a friend. So he doesn't seem to answer the question properly. Maybe he has doubts about how much he loves Jesus, with what kind of love. He's scared to say it, maybe. And Jesus is speaking. He said to him a second time Simon, son of John, do you love me? And that's with agape love. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. And uh, But Peter answers again, I love you with phileo love. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I think Jesus asked this time, Do you love me as a friend? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Uh, I mean, Jesus knew um, what Peter was trying to say to him, you know. And But I don't think Peter really knew with what kind of love, maybe, that he loved Jesus. He had believed his own feelings about this before. And he seemed to have been wrong because he failed Jesus. Jesus said, feed, said to him, feed my sheep. But then I think what we find something here that is totally amazing and freeing, Uh, heart freeing, uh, doubt freeing, uh, just something that probably gives Peter the most peaceful, wonderful feeling and and confidence uh, and truth in his life that he could ever ask for. And here's what it says. Jesus is speaking to Peter. They, they finally get this conversation after Peter has probably doubted his own salvation and his own motives for, for all these days ever since that he denied Jesus and hadn't had a chance to, to really come to Jesus and say, I am so sorry, please forgive me. And I, you know, we don't see them speaking until this point. In time, And Jesus seems to give him so much encouragement and confidence and assurance in these words. Verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And verse 19 explains it. Uh, This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. So this is pretty amazing how Jesus, by telling Peter how he was going to die, he seems to clear up every doubt he ever had about, um, where his heart was, if uh, whether he loved Jesus with agape love, whether he was a true believer, whether he was willing to die for Jesus. He probably questioned that because, because he had said, that you know, I will lay down my life for you, Lord. But, but he didn't. He denied him. And so he, he must have had all these these self-doubts in his life. And Jesus cleared them all up and give him great, great joy by simply telling him how he was going to die. Now, now, if somebody told you you were going to die, would that make you feel good? Would that make free your life? That's what I think it did for Peter. Um, And so it says here, because now Peter knows he's going to die on a cross. He's going to stretch out his hands. Right? And carry, somebody's going to carry him where he don't want to go, to death, on a cross. Um, And he's going to stretch out his hands like Jesus did on a cross and die for the sake of the God, to glorify God, it says. So that's good news for Peter. His doubts are cleared up. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. All right? So, um, so now Peter's doubts are cleared up, and and we see um, these are um, some of the last words that Jesus spoke to Peter. Right, let's continue on to see what happened. We we've looked at the life, the the, the roller coaster of, of faith in the life of Peter, and you've probably no doubt. Identified with Peter's faith at some point, the roller coaster up, the roller coaster down, trusting in self, having pride, spiritual pride, self righteousness, down, up, down, up, um, and we're not done yet, right? Uh, God is, uh, Jesus has given Peter, I think, a great confidence in Him, in telling him He is going to glorify God in da- in His death. John 21, 20. We will continue here. Peter turned. So, Peter had said, that, <laughs> Jesus had said, follow me. And Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had, who also had leaned back against him during the supper. And it said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And we know from the book of John that this was John himself. So Peter turned, as Jesus was speaking to him, Peter turned and he saw John, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. That's how he's referred to. And by the way, I mean, Satan is at work in all our lives. Remember he wasn't a disciple saying who would be the greatest among them? And For John to be known as the one who, the disciple that Jesus loved, do you think Satan might um, have um, used that to cause jealousy? It's very possible. He does that kind of things in our lives. We know that. So um, when Peter saw him, Peter saw John, he turned and he saw John. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So so P- Jesus just cleared up all this burden, this heavy burden of doubt that, and depression that Peter had been going through, I believe, for many days. And Peter probably thought, there's nothing that can stop me now. I Satan has got nothing on me, you know. I can do anything God asked me to do. Then right away, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Satan went right to work on Peter. And and Peter must have thought, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to die on a cross. Huh. Yeah, that clears up my doubts. But still yet. Is that something to look forward to? Lord, what about Peter? You know? you um, what he said. Uh, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So Jesus tells him again to follow him. He just got through saying it. Um, so, and uh, Jesus used an extreme here to, to get a point across. I mean if it's if it's my will that that John never dies until I return no, what is that to you, Peter? Uh, as far as you are concerned, you follow me. That's what you need to worry about right there. Don't worry about John. So so here we see that as we think back you know throughout Peter's life whether he was walking on the water Jesus said come uh, come to me and 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 you know Jesus kept drawing him back to himself whenever Peter would stray away and say no Jesus don't don't do this he, Jesus said you know you're thinking about the things of man, not about the things of God. Jesus kept call, drawing Peter back to mission over and over. He says, you know, Satan wants to, to sift you as wheat. But when you turn, I want you to strengthen the brothers. And then he said, you know, what, um, feed my sheep. You know, he, he said, look, I'm drawing you back to mission over throughout your whole life. And, and if we you remember all the way back. The first words that the, this it appears that the first words that were spoken to Peter by Jesus were "Follow me," and then throughout his life, on the roller coaster of his faith, ups and downs, Jesus continued to bring him back to following Him all along the way. And now, these important last words, um, just just that that Jesus spoke to all His disciples, uh, and. In the book of John, there's many chapters that they say, you know, look, you need to stay on mission. Everything that I've taught you, you need to follow me in these things. And now, here in the book of John, it ends different than the other uh, gospels. If you'll look at the other gospels, you'll see many references at the end uh, to the to the Great Commission. You know, go ye therefore, teach all nations. That's mission, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You know, He has all authority, and he, He's given that authority to us uh, by by letting by by including us to carry on the mission. And um, but the Book of John doesn't end that way, but it is similar. It uh, follows the the life of Peter. And uh, we see that the the first words and the last words match up. It says, let me read it again. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the last words of Jesus were the first words of Jesus to Peter. Um, And it was pulling him away from his own mission. His own mission was fishing at one point in his life. And he said, follow me. And toward the end, I mean, he had been drawn away from following Christ to to being worried about John and how he would die. And Jesus is drawing him back to the same mission he called him to. You follow me. So that's the same words that he began with. And, And that's the same in our own life as well. Jesus says, follow me. And he keeps calling us throughout our life to stay on track, to persevere to the end, and uh, not to not to stray from mission, to, to share uh, how Jesus is beautiful. Uh, after we've seen his beauty, and uh, how he is the the treasure, the greatest treasure of all, worth giving up all for. How that in our joy, we we should be able to in our joy. Um, let go of every worldly treasure and pursue Jesus the rest of our life. He's the greatest treasure of all. And so we see him as good news. We see him as beautiful. We see him as our delight, our treasure. Um, And and now that uh, we've been a participator in the mission of others, now we're to go and be on mission to share the greatest treasure of all with the rest of the world. And we do that by calling them to follow Jesus just the way we did.